Hey everyone, welcome to the Oasis Church podcast. We are so honored that you would take a few minutes and you would join us, even if it's through an app on your phone right now. We're just honored that you would spend the time with us. And I want to encourage you, if you want to spend time with us in person, we would love to invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 197 Imperial Boulevard in Hendersonville, Tennessee. We would love to meet you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to serve you. So make plans to join us. But right now, I hope that you enjoy this message and we hope that it encourages you and it blesses you today. All right, y'all ready to start the message? Here we go. I'm, I'm fired up now. I'm ready to go. What am I preaching on today? Truth. Something. Yeah, something with that. Uh, I guess. No, I'm joking. Yeah, we're teaching on truth. Okay, so um, I am not a rule follower. Uh, I should just tell you that off the top. Stephanie, did you say amen? Uh, I went, oh. Yeah, I'm not. She is. So I'm the guy that's like, don't go through the crew members only on the cruise. We just went, guess where I want to go? I want to go on that door that says crew members only and go, well, what's back there? You know, like that's, I'm just, a, I don't like break rules on purpose. I just push boundaries a little bit. That's just how I am. That's how I'm wired. And I'm not necessarily proud of it, but I'm also not not proud of it. It's just how I am, right? Like I, I, I'm not a big rule follower, except when it comes to board games. Yes. Now board games, it's one of my favorite board games right here. Anybody play this game right here? Come on, make some noise. We play a little set can. Okay. That's what us people that really play it call it. <laughs> Uh, do we say Catan or Catan? It's Catan, but y'all are wrong. It's okay. Um, so, love board games. I'm, a, I'm not a rule follower, but when it comes to games, board games, I am strict by the book. Why? Because I will use the rules against you. All right? I, I'm a by the, and if you come to our house, you're playing by the rules, by the rules, by this. Okay? Uh, and this is, this, is, this is a big rule book right here. I know them all. I really do. And that's how the best coaches in the NFL. They know the rules. They know how to use the rules to their advantage, right? Like they know the rules. And I will be, I'm by the book. I, I am playing by the book. I, I, I am not cheating. I don't hate cheating in board games. I'm not bending. I, I'm playing by the book. And then I will let you know when you're not. You know what I'm saying? And like, no, you can't do that. Why? Because it's in the rules. Prove it. Okay. Right here. Boom. And I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it all the time. I love playing board games. And the reason why I hate playing board games at your house <laughs> is because you have something called house rules. Have y'all ever played a board game and you have house rules at your house that aren't in the rule book, but you do it anyway? And house rules are the worst. <laughs> they make the game not fair and they make it not fun for anybody except for your family. And so... <laughs> Playing by house rules drives me crazy. I, I, we don't have house rules. We have rules, like rule book rules. That's what we have at our house. And these crazy people change the rules to games. The people that made the game know how to play the game, right? Like they know how to make it fair for everyone to have a shot to win the game. They know the checks and balances so stuff doesn't get thrown out of whack in the game. Some of you are playing Monopoly and you're putting all the money that you have to pay to the bank in a big pile and when you land on free park, y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> that makes the game go by slower, all right? Don't do that. But you have this house rule. Don't even get me started on ping pong house rules. Can't go there. But if I ran for president, I would campaign on this. No more house rules. 
Y'all know what I'm saying? Come on now. Uh, what if the Titans today were like, you know what? I don't like this rule. I'm going to make it to where you can just cream a wide receiver out on a route and uh, pass interference doesn't apply anymore. That's crazy. Why? Because it's not fair. Someone can get hurt. Like there's rules for a reason. But it's one thing to play by house rules when you're talking about a board game. It's a whole nother thing to play by house rules when it comes to your life. But there's a lot of people who are living life playing by their house rules. They change the, they change the rules to, to fit their lifestyle. They, they, they change the rules to fit what they want and their desires and their temptations. And there's a, a, a thing happening in culture that's been happening for a long time that we've changed the rules and we have our own set of house rules that we're playing by. And today I want to talk to you about, about that a little bit. And uh, the problem is, is people are living by their house rules. And, and this is so common. You've heard these house rules before. It's so common that you hear phrases all the time that are house rules phrases, and they're not God's book phrases. They're not instruction manual phrases. And it's so embedded in our culture that they just squeak by and we don't even pay any attention to it. And it's stuff like, well, what's true for you is not true for me. Well, that's good for you, but that's not good for me. Uh, you, you may have heard, uh, I'm the one who determines truth. I, I'm the one that can determine what's right and wrong for me as long as it does, doesn't hurt anybody. Right? Or you've heard it said maybe uh, making my own choices is a big priority for me. And so I just want the autonomy, right? Like, or hey, don't force your truth on me. Some of us may have said that in here before, right? Don't force your truth on me. Or uh, this is another one love is love, right? Like, love is love. Well, those sound good. You may have heard some version of those things, those are house rules. And those are things that people are living by that aren't found in God's word. Now, we love people that might think this way. I hope that God gets a hold of some people that might think this way. I don't reject anybody that thinks this way. But I would lovingly say that's not the truth. That's not what God's word teaches. That, that's not what the game manual teaches us. That's what you might think. And don't they just sound so good? They seem legit. You know, like they seem right. But here's what the Bible says. Put this verse up. It says, there's a way that seems right to a man. Ooh, there's a way. It seems right. It feels good. It sounds good. It seems right to man. But in the end is the way of death. But its end is the way of death. I, I want to teach this series to help us understand that there might be a way that you're living your life that feels right, that seems right to you. But in the end, it will hurt you, it will harm you, and it will lead to death. Well, that sounds intense. Yeah, it is intense. And the devil, the enemy, he's blinded us to a lot of things. And so uh, what we're going to talk about today is a big term. And so before we get going, I want to put up, put up that slide real quick that has the QR code on it. Please, if you don't have our app, this big QR code will get you the app. If you don't have our app, download it right now, even while I'm talking, and there's notes in here. These notes are so important to go back. You can email them to yourself, by the way, when you're done. It doesn't sign you up for anything, except it'll take 10% out of your bank account every month. But other than that, I'm joking. But sign up for the app, because I'm telling you, this stuff's on there, and some other stuff I'm going to talk about later is going to be found on the app. So 
don't be shy. You can get your phone out and just go pink real quick, all right, and do that. Or you can just search oasistn.church on your app store. Okay. All right. So today, the term we're going to talk about, and you can put this slide up now, um, is a term called moral relativism. All right. That's the first blank on the nose today, moral relativism relativism. And uh, the, the quote that we're going to look at today that's a lie that we're going to debunk today is, you're wrong for telling me I'm wrong. Well, how can, well, you're wrong for telling me I'm wrong. And uh, people love to tote around the term tolerance. Y'all ever heard that word before where it's like, well, hey, you do you, I'll do me, we'll just tolerate each other unless what you believe comes against what I believe, then I'm not going to tolerate you, right? And then uh, typically the loudest person wins. Uh, and so if you can just type in all caps or you can shout what you believe, it makes you somehow more passionate and more right, but that's not true. You're wrong for telling me I'm wrong is a way of life that people believe in. And so this is not a new problem. This is not a new issue. In fact, this idea of being able to determine for yourself what is right and what is wrong is something that's happened all the way at the beginning in the Garden of Eden. And that's what moral relativism is. It means what is moral for you is relative to what you believe. And what is moral to me might not be what's moral for you. So I could not think it's wrong to murder somebody. It's an extreme, uh, but uh, you might, and we're just going to, it's okay, but no, murder's just wrong, right? Like moral relativism isn't a real thing, and it's not a way that you can live your life. And it's, it actually was birthed in the Garden of Eden, this idea that you can decide for yourself what's right and what's wrong. And so the enemy's been using a tactic ever since the Garden of Eden, and he's still using the tactic today. And so I want to show you the method that the serpent in the Garden of Eden used so that you can be prepared next time you see this tactic happening in your life. All right, so God, I'm flying through, I'm sorry. God created the universe. And so he created everything, and at the end he created man and, uh, and Adam, right? And he creates Adam. And Adam, he gives parameters, and he gives boundaries, he says, you're going to live in the Garden of Eden. You can, we're going to get to this in a second. Here's the rules. And he gives them a set of boundaries and parameters. He, got, he made a design. So God designed something in a specific way. And that design was to enable Adam to live in God's freedom, to live with God's blessing the most. Okay? So here's what it says. Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 15. It said, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden in this boundary with these parameters to watch over it. But the Lord gave, or the Lord God warned him. He said, You may freely, y'all say freely, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. Except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Notice what God says. He says, you may freely eat. See, this command he gave was a positive command. He said, hey, you can be free. You can freely eat of any tree in the entire garden. Just don't eat that tree. If you eat that tree, bad things happen, right? And so God was honest with him. God said, hey, if you go outside of these boundaries, if you go outside of these parameters that I've set up, there's consequences to that. That consequence is you're going to die. So don't do that. So let me just make it as basic as I can make it. Here we go. Throw that up. Oh, nope. Well, the, all the other trees were good. The tree in the middle was bad, all right? All the other trees are good. The middle tree is bad. God determined what was good and what was bad. He decided this is right, that is wrong. 
God created that. Man, that is not an Adam idea. That wasn't a man idea. Right and wrong came from God and God alone. I'm going to say that again. Right and wrong come from God and God alone. Okay? He, he speaks parameters. He speaks things. And he creates these boundaries for us to live in. That's how it works. So God gave this command to Adam. Then he looks at Adam. He's like, man, it's not good for him to be alone. I'm going to create a woman. He puts him to sleep, takes a rib, makes woman, and makes Eve. And, and Adam wakes up and goes, whoa. Right? Because they were both naked. Let's be honest. I mean, he was like, I like what I'm looking at. You know, like he enjoyed it. And so it was, it's, it's inferred in the Bible, it's Adam's responsibility to tell Eve about the command that God had given him. It's his response. He's the man, he's the leader, got to tell Eve. Well, I don't, we don't know exactly what Eve was told. We don't exactly know how she got it, but it's inferred that Adam, it was Adam's responsibility based on some passage, passages in the New Testament. And all of a sudden, Eve knows this law, this this rule, but she doesn't quite know it well enough. And immediately the serpent, the enemy, sees vulnerability in Eve. And so he's like, I'm going to go get her. She's vulnerable. It says this, chapter 3, verse 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat, from, uh, eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. So far, she's doing great, <laughs> right? Like she's passing the test with flying colors. But then she keeps on going. Um, but she said, uh, you're not, not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it or you'll die. And then he says, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. All right, so let's work through this for a second. The first thing the devil ever says, the enemy ever says in the Bible, is did God really say? Did he, he, he questions God's word. God had spoken truth. He had determined right, wrong, and the first thing the enemy does is he says, did God really say that? And he starts to question. He starts to make us question things. Remember last week we talked about confusion, the, the spirit of Babylon. He's sowing this confusion right here. That's why it's so important that we know the word of God. This is God's word to us. Okay, many of you, I've never heard God speak. Read this out loud. That's how you can hear God speak. This is God's word. And so when we know God's word, we know the attack of the enemy because it doesn't quite add up. And it's harder for us to question God's word when we know God's word. So let's keep going. It said, did God really say you must not eat the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? See, this is tricky. Not only did he question God's word, but he also distorted God's word. Leave that verse up there if you could, Sam. You see, when God said, when, when God gave the command, he said, you may freely eat of any tree. It started positive, right? Well, as soon as the devil got a hold of it, he said, didn't he say you couldn't eat it from any of the trees? Like he turned it negative. He took a positive command and he made it negative. He started to manipulate what God, uh, what God had said. God gave them freedom. It wasn't restrictive, it was free. God said, hey, here are the boundaries. Enjoy all of this stuff. Just don't eat that tree. 
You know, but the devil said, God doesn't want you to be happy. God's hiding something from you. He knows that if you eat that tree, you're going to be like him. And so, uh, and, and, the, and so she, she ends up having this conversation with the devil. She said, well, we, we, you know, we can eat of, any, we can eat of uh, any tree, but we're not even allowed to touch that tree, which isn't true. And the devil says this. He says, you won't die, the servant replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. Listen, I, I want you to pay attention. This is the tactic right here. You need to know. The devil will always bait you with a little bit of truth. There's a little bit of truth in what he said. Their eyes were going to be opened. Right? There's a little bit of truth. Hey, you'll be happy. Hey, just do this. You're going to feel so... There's a little bit of truth. If the devil told you just an outright lie, it wouldn't be effective because you'd be like, no, that's dumb. But if he can put just a little bit of truth in there, he can bait us a lot of times and he can get us to do stuff because he's, put a, he's wrapped up this nasty thing in just a little bit of truth. So he gives them a little bit of truth. But the truth was their eyes were going to be open, but they weren't going to be opened like God. They were going to be opened as rebels and as sinners who had just done a terrible thing against God. And so what it would be like is promising a, a deaf person that they would be able to hear again, but all they would hear was screaming for the rest of their life. That's what the devil did. It was the same type of thing. Like, hey, you'll be like God. That's a lie. But your eyes will be opened. And that's exactly what happened. Going on to verse six, it says, the woman was convinced. Y'all say convinced. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. Come on now. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So now the, the tree that she said, I can't even touch it or I'll die. She's looking at it and she's craving it. This will make me complete. This will make me be like God. This will answer all the questions, right? She took some of the fruit and she ate it. And then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open and suddenly they felt shame of, at their nakedness. I love that phrase. It's so sad, but it's so true. She was convinced. The devil had convinced her. Oh, I need that. I have to have that. Oh, I can't live without that. Like, oh, that's going to make me feel complete. I'm finally going to be the person that I'm created to be. I'm going to, and all of a sudden she was convinced. How many people in this room are convinced of something that the devil's told you? And it's just a lie, right? She's now seeing the fruit that would destroy her in a whole new light. It looks beautiful. It looks delicious, right? And it's so like, I have to have it. That's going to fix everything in my life. And I want you to hear this. In that moment, Adam and Eve had begun to redefine good and evil based on the desire in their heart rather than on what God said was good and evil. A lot of us in this room, you have either done this or you know people that have done this and you've redefined what good and evil are based on the desire in your heart. And if that, you're in that position, you've been convinced. Instead of what God says is good and evil. What God says is right and wrong. Are there things in here that aren't black and white? Sure. There's some things in here that are in gray areas and you know what, we have some grace for that but there are some things in here that are just non-negotiables. Right and wrong, period. No matter how we feel about it, that's just the truth. We do this with relationships. We do it with sex, sexuality, 
money. We do it with stuff. We determine what's right and wrong based on what we want rather than based on what the Bible says. We distort things all the time. But see, God has given us a design. He's given us boundaries as a way to live life his way. Okay? His way. And when we live it his way, we experience freedom and we experience the full life that God promises us. And so I know some people might not be Disney fans and we're certainly less Disney fans now. It's really expensive and, you know, I, I don't know. They're not what they used to be. But we have been to Disney several times, okay? And we used to live a couple hours from there and we would take the kids. It was so magical and uh, I love this. I wanted to show you some pictures of Disney World. Can I do that? Any Disney people in here? Come on now. Okay, so I'm going to show you some pictures of Disney World. Let's throw up that first picture. What is this, everybody? Main Street USA. Look, at I have been known to cry at this moment right here, to tear up. And I love it. Look how magical it is. It looks perfect. It's pristine, right? Like, it's amazing. Can you hear it and smell it right now, by the way, and feel it? Everyone just perked up. The Lord is in this place, and it took a picture of Disney. I'm joking. All right, let's go to the next one. What is this? A haunted mansion. It's such a fun ride, right? Like, it's, it's cool. It's air conditioned in there. Uh, the kids can ride by themselves. And so Steph and I can ride by ourselves, which is great. Uh, all right, so the next one, this is probably one of my favorite parts. What is that? Come on, I heard it. What is it? Galaxies. Edge, right? Like it's a, the Star Wars land, right? I love these things because look how awesome it is. If you're standing here, you're in Star Wars. You're on, uh, what's the name of the, is it Batu? Uh, what's the name of the, the planet? You're on a different planet when you're in there. And it feels like you're on a different planet. I mean, there's <laughs> rocks. It looks like those mountains go off for miles, right? Like when you are in there, man, you are in there and you're surrounded. When you're in front of the Haunted Mansion, you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm about to go up in this house and ride a little ride, right? Like, and when you're on Main Street, I mean, the shops are right there. The castle's right in front of you. And I love this because Disney does such a great job that uh, making things immersive, making things amazing. But I want you to pay attention to this. These things are only awesome when you experience them the way they were designed to be experienced. What do you mean? That means if you look at the Google Maps photo of these things, they are far from magical. I just, I'm about to ruin it for you right now, okay? You can only experience the true magic of Disney when you experience it the way they want you to experience it. That's when it's the most fun. That's when it's the most magical. But check this out. Here's Main Street USA. Go to the next picture. A parking lot is right behind it. Look, there's it is right here. Look how not magical this is. It's a bunch of warehouses and air conditioning units. Does that sound fun? No, you don't think about that stuff when you're in Main Street. Let's go to the Haunted Mansion. That's the ride, by the way. You're not even in the house ever. You're in this big white thing. That's the ride. Let's go to the Star Wars. Look at this. It's gray, and you can see how fake the rocks are. They're not even real. You know, when we go outside of the boundaries, when we go outside of the parameters that the Imagineers have set for us to experience these things in, we begin to see that, man, this isn't what I thought it was. When you go outside the boundaries 
of what God has set and the design and the parameters that God has set, you are choosing to live a life, I'm telling you, that is less fulfilling, it's less full. Why? Because it's only within God's boundaries. It's only within the way God says things that we should experience life. It's only within that that we get to experience the fulfillment of our lives, of our Christian lives. We have to stay in the design and in the boundaries that God has for us because when we do that, we get to experience it in the fullest. Just like going down Main Street USA is awesome until you go behind the curtain and see that it's just a parking lot back there. But when we experience within the boundaries, it makes you cry. It, it makes you tear up, right? Like that's the same with God. God has set some parameters. He set some boundaries through his word so that we can experience God the fullest, so that we can live the freest life that we can live. And so today, I want to give you some application. Okay? How do you find the parameters and the boundaries that God has set in place between what is right and what is wrong? It's all found in God's word. This is the answer. This is the source of truth. It's found in nothing else. When this book speaks of something, it is right. It is true. There's no debate about it. And so what I want to help you do today is I want to teach you how you can do some certain things to get closer to God through his word. So you can know the parameters. You can know the boundaries of your life so that you can have the most freedom and you can have the most uh, full life that God has for you. So here's the first thing I want you to do is I want you to love God's word. Love God's word. Love it. When you love something, you defend it, right? Like if someone came after my family, I will go to jail for the rest of my life, right? Defending them. Why? Because they're my family. Now, I'm not saying that we beat people up with the Bible and we, you know, are mean. No, we're not going to be mean, but we defend the Bible. The Bible is under attack. Okay. People are picking it apart, all this kind of stuff. And guess what? We are going to love God's word and we're going to stand on the truth of God's word. And we're going to, you know what? We're not going to compromise here. This is what the Bible says. And this is what we believe. And this is how we're going to act period. You know, we, we have to love God's word. The Bible says this about itself, all scripture, is God-breathed, and it's useful. Y'all say useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, but it goes on. It says this, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible is useful, guys. You want to be a better parent? Love God's word. You want to be a better husband? Love God's word. You want to be a better worker at your job? Love God's word. It equips you for every good work that you have in your life. You want to know what's right, what's wrong? Love God's word. Second thing we're going to do is this. Learn God's word. Learn God's word. Become a student of God's word. Study it. Read it. Get into it. Well, Pastor Clint, how do I do that? I'm so glad you asked. First thing you're going to do is this. You're going to listen to God's word, just like you're doing right now. You're going to listen to God's word. Listening to, to uh, listen, there's a bajillion podcasts out there you could listen to that would help you listen to God's word. Here's what the Bible says. It says in Matthew 7, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. We're going to listen to God's word. The second thing is this. We're going to read God's word. So now we're going to listen to it. We're going to read it. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Man, you need to read God's word because when you read God's word, you're consuming God's word. And when you consume God's word, it gets into you. Don't just read this book. Let it read you. It's not about you getting into God's word. It's about God's word getting into you. How do I? You got to read it. You got to listen to it. The last thing is this. Study God's word. Don't study just to get smarter. That's what Pharisees did. Here's why you study the scriptures. John chapter 5. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. You study God's word to get closer to Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The closer we get to Jesus, the closer we get to truth. The closer we get to truth... The, the, the better we can live inside God's design and God's parameters. So how can you study God's word? I'll give you two free options. You ready? First one, version Bible app. It's free. Download it right now on your phone. You can go to oasistn.church slash Bible, and uh, you can watch a sermon series we did about the Bible. You can download the version app right there. There's some resources. And if you're like, I'm a, I want to get a little nerdier, another free resource, Blue Letter Bible. You can go there, and it has commentaries for free. They have a free Bible app. You can press a word on there and hold it down, and it'll show you the original Greek and all that. You can nerd out on all of it, okay? I love nerding out. Uh, but those are two free ways you can study the Bible. So we're, we're going to love God's Word. We're going to learn God's Word. The last thing is this. We're going to live God's Word. We're going to live it. Psalm 119, largest chapter in the Bible. All about God's Word. It's pretty important to God, I would say. It's the largest chapter in the Bible. In one of the verses, it says, or two of the verses, or nine through 11, three verses. How can a young man stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So how do you live God's word? Listen, this is easier said than done. You do what it says. You do what it says, period. Well, what if I don't agree? Well, this is truth. So we read it, we listen to it, we love it, we learn it, and we live it. Like, do what it says. Your, your, your life can change some by just reading God's word. It's alive and active. I believe that, but we really change by doing God's word. The Bible says to be hearers of God's word and also doers of God's word. So live it out. Do what it says. It will be radical. Some people will not agree. Okay? And that's okay. We don't have to send back the hate that we get. It's fine. But I, I don't care what people think. I care a lot what God thinks about me. And I want to live God's word. So this week, I want to give you a challenge. I want you to every day find some time, read God's word. If you can't sit down and read because you're a mom and you have children and they require every ounce of the strength you have in your life, listen to it. Get the YouVersion Bible app and just hit play. Listen to it. Take some time this week, every day. Just listen to God's word, read God's word, and watch how God will begin to change you. You know, <clears throat> One of the things that the Bible teaches, really the, the whole message of the Bible is this right here. That moment in the Garden of Eden really messed up everything. 
And it doesn't take a genius to realize and look around that this world's messed up. Come on, do you all agree? Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it's not even stuff like culture being sinful. The earthquake in Morocco, over 2,000 people died. Some of you may not have even known that that happened. That happened this week. The world is messed up. It's broken. It's not the way it should be. And I would say you're right because in the Garden of Eden, it messed up all of us. We live at the results of the Garden of Eden being messed up. And it also doesn't take a genius. It just takes an honest person to realize that not only is the world messed up, but you and I are pretty messed up. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's just me. But we're pretty messed up. There's not one person that's ever lived except for Jesus that has not messed up. We've all made mistakes. We've all lashed out when we shouldn't have. We've all, uh, we, we've all done things. that we, We've all lied. We've all done things we shouldn't have done. And the Bible calls that sin. And what the Bible teaches us is that sin actually separates us from God. It makes it to where you can't have a relationship with God no matter how hard you try. You can't go to heaven. You can't have a relationship with God. And so what, what did God do? God sent Jesus to come and to die for you. Because your sins require a payment. That payment is death. Remember what God said in the garden? If you eat that fruit, you will surely die. Well, guess what? We ate the fruit and we died, all of us. 100% all of us are going to die. And that's because of what happened in the garden. And, and the Bible tells us that you can't be a good enough person to earn your way to heaven. That's not how it works. You don't, you don't earn your way to heaven. You can't be good enough because sin is that bad. And we've all done it. And so what God did is he sent Jesus, and Jesus lived a life where he never sinned, not one time. And he died. He paid the payment of death that the sin required. He died. He did that for you. And he forgave your sins. The Bible says that Jesus actually became sin for you so that you can know God. So he, he died on the cross. He paid for your sins. And then he defeated sin, but he still needed to defeat death. And so he was actually dead. They buried him in a tomb. They sealed it with a big rock. They put guards on the outside of it to protect it because they thought the followers of Jesus could come and steal the body. But it said on Easter Sunday, there was an earthquake. The stone was rolled away and Jesus defeated death and he came back to life. And he did that so that you could be set free so that you could have a relationship with God today, so that you could go to heaven when you die, so that you can have a hope today, right now. And the best part is it's already paid for. Come on. That's why I like going on cruises. You pay it, and it's already paid for, baby. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, this gift is already paid for. You just have to receive it. And so the Bible says this. It's so simple. We can overcomplicate this. It's so simple. It says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And when we receive Jesus, that's what the Bible calls getting saved, baby. Come on, that's what we say in the South a lot too. And you just declare, just, that's how you receive that gift that Jesus gave you on the cross. Just declare it with your mouth and believe in your heart that what God did really happened and you'll be saved. And so I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're wrapping up. I told you I'd get you home before 11.59. If you're in here and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus today, I want to invite you to do it. 
And maybe you've come a bunch and you're just embarrassed or afraid or whatever. That is the enemy trying to make you run from this decision right now. But today is the day that you receive Jesus. And so if you want to make that decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand on the count of three. Here we go. One, two, three. Come on, raise your hand if you want to do that. All right, you can put it down. And here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pray this prayer with you, but if you raise your hand, maybe just say it a little bit louder, all right? And this prayer doesn't save you. It's not magical, but it's the believing in your heart. This is a way to articulate the things that this verse says. Say, dear God. Come on, everybody. Come on, dear God. There we go. I need you. You are the Lord of my life. I invite you in. And thank you for coming back to life. In the best way I know how, I will live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a hand for the people that made that decision. So happy if that was you.